Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where jiu-jitsu practitioners open their minds to new ideas and concepts about personal development, entrepreneurship, jiu-jitsu, and life. Our mission is to inspire, impact, and or improve your life in some way to support you during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome back to another episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. Today, we're excited to welcome back the fourth degree black belt, George Brito, born in Rio de Janeiro. George transitioned from soccer to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at age 13, deeply immersed in the BJJ world under steam mentors at the Gracie Tijuca Academy, led by renowned figures such as Vinicius Ayeta and Saulo Ribeiro. Taking to heart advice to learn English and teaching techniques to further his BJJ career, George dove into physical education studies, event organization and competitions, even testing his skills in mixed martial arts with 22 pro fights. George, the co-founder of the Jiu-Jitsu for Life team and the Next Gen Tournament in Canada, join us again to delve deeper into his journey and philosophy in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. Do you believe that Jiu-Jitsu has the power to change lives and make the world a better place? Unfortunately, millions worldwide don't have access to Jiu-Jitsu because they are unaware of its existence or cannot afford it. That is where the Adopt a Social Project program comes in. This program, created by the nonprofit organization Jiu Jitsu Tribe, supports social projects worldwide that offer free Jiu Jitsu classes in their at risk communities. These projects inspire, impact, and improve lives by utilizing Jiu Jitsu as a personal and social development tool. Anyone can support this program with a 12 month commitment. Whether you own a Jiu Jitsu Academy, association, business, or individual, you can help make a difference. Join us in supporting the Adopt a Social Project program and help us bring the power of jiu-jitsu to those who need it most. Visit our website to learn more about how you get involved. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, inspiring, impacting, and improving lives one tribe at a time. George, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Gustavo. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here chatting with you. It's always a pleasure. Let's do this. Yes, for people who don't know, I started the podcast in 2018, and George was the number episode number eight. So a while back, if you want to hear more about the story, how he got involved with jujitsu, how he got into Canada, currently that's where he lives. And today we're going to catch up, talk about his school and his association. At the same time, we'll have a lot of listeners who are business owners, school owners. So a lot of people mentioned to me how they appreciate to hear different feedback, different experience from people when you when you least realize like, oh, wow, you're able to implement something that someone said in a podcast. And also um, we have very similar activities because I'm also an event promoter. George also promotes events in, in Canada. So we're going to talk about this too and the evolution of the competition of jiu-jitsu, we started around the same time too in the, the 90s in Brazil. That's when things were really taken off in Brazil before UFC. And as people think that maybe the UFC before that in Rio was already catching a moment. And we're going to talk about that. 
And that's it, man. So let's talk about for so for the past five years, how has the school been? The association, maybe adjustments that you've you've done in the past five years. So let us know. Yes, uh, when we first talked in 2018, uh, I had recently uh, founded the Jiu-Jitsu for Life Team Association, right? So we had a, a decent size of, of academies in the association. So today, I don't know exactly how the number of academies there are in the association, but uh, it's uh, over 20 in, in Ontario at least. And uh, which is the province I live, that we have like uh, some academies in Vancouver, and so on. Uh, I've been I've been working very hard to develop a, a good structure for the team. We we about to take it to another level in the in the next few months. We we always wait for the the new years of Jiu-Jitsu, which is the World Championships. It's funny, but we always talk that here in the gym. Like I give my students like Happy New Year after the World Championships. Mm -hmm. Because it's been like a, a, a always a breakthrough in my life since I started training jiu and since they started to make the the world right because it was always like next year worlds next year worlds so then we, we start to build a schedule of life <laughs> based on 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 that world championships but we are, we are making we're implementing some things that that our association did not have yet such a fees and. Uh, all of the purpose of, of, of making things better to reach more people, especially in Brazil, that most of the gyms in Brazil are social projects. We have over 15 or 17, maybe. Uh, I, I won't say academies because you know how it is. You have yes. a project. You know how it is, the situation in some places. They, they literally have mats in some room and they, they call that a, their gym. And uh, we, we try to provide uh, this, this, uh, these academies. We have some commercial gyms in Brazil as well, but the vast majority are, are, are of the academies are social projects. So then the intention is to try to gather more funds and help more athletes to 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 fulfill their dream of but but overall to become better citizen. One of the the baselines of the association it's 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 uh, it's development the professional development of instructors. So like our instructor course really is a core because it helped like a lot of instructors to open their vision and, and, and sometimes they get too focused on that one niche, which is the athletes, the competitors, and that's natural because we see that in the mainstream. So everyone wants to fight like on and on and so and so. And, and then we try to focus more on getting people uh, more professional in providing the service of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to clients, but without losing the the is the sense of mm -hmm. Jiu-Jitsu. You know, I feel like uh, we we have to fight hard to 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 maintain the 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 core of Jiu-Jitsu, which is basically self-defense. And when I say self-defense, a lot of people don't understand. It's not just like the oh get out of the neck here, uh, get out of the wrist here. You know the the actual program of self defense, but to understand that jiu jitsu is a fight, and you also understand more about yourself, and you can protect yourself differently because you're building default reactions 
that will make you capable to understand how you're going to react in a situation of stress. That's when I include competition. That's the core of the core of, of the fundamental principles that we follow in our association. And I try to spread this out as much as possible. I don't think I do anything much different than what other associations do. It's just like a different approaches and the different views that I have. But so far, I feel we are going in a good direction. Most of my students, they are under black belts, they are athletes, they are open their own academies. And recently, three months ago, I just opened another location. So that location has been a, a, a big uh, a big challenge. And now on the business point of view, because I'm trying to make this gym sustainable because I want to create the franchising model on 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 using that location as the 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 lab one mm -hmm. and and uh, and it's very hard because uh i'm like jumping out from already have established team everything in place a system with tons of structures and trying to go to another location with like a totally different crowd getting people from scratch again and and i love it because i love challenges and so far the gym is already pay itself and I'm using like zero propaganda, like no sponsor ads at all. Like we don't even have the, the signage in front of the gym already. That's the power of jiu-jitsu, you know, yeah. because what I see is that uh, I'm, I'm thinking in the long term, like by how can I provide even better platform to my associates to open their academies? So I wanted, I wanted to find out every single step of the way and, and provide them that, that opportunity. And this is going to help us to, to build more structures and to, at the end of the day, Gustavo, what happens is that we are in an environment, there's, it's not like, uh, it's new. There's not many like associations that have the franchising models. And like a lot of people take that, that side of like, oh, that's going to make Jiu-Jitsu a Mac Dojo. I'm like, no, no, not really. If you work hard on how you provide instructors the values and how you pass jiu-jitsu on like you just will you will be able to ex spread more of the benefits that jiu-jitsu can give to to other people and that's like uh, that's been the challenge at, at this point of of my life you know to be able to to build this platform where i can like get investors get people that want to like hey i want to open academy so let's do it this is how we do it this is a way that we guarantee you that we're going to have return over your investments, right? This, and that we're going to make sure that we are providing actually the real service to people. You know, there's a lot of mistakes that have been done in the past that don't need to be repeated. And this is what we're trying to do. Beautiful. And one of the things that people don't, don't realize, especially new practitioners, some people listening right now could be some of my my students, your students, or people just started, and they had a an intro class and everything was like systematic and but people don't realize that we come from a time in the 90s, there's no such a thing. <laughs> there is just a different culture back then. I love the terminology that Master Fabio Gorgel used for the people who trained jiu-jitsu in the 90s that they called the survivors. People that if you still train jujitsu to this day, 
and you were from the 90s, you're the survivors. But because just throw everyone in class, the toughest ones stay. If not, you go home. So there's no such a thing. Here is your gift for your trial, and it's like taking care of you. Like, no, you know, they they try to make a point jujitsu is tough, and you know, only the strongest survive type of deal. So when do you think there was a time and since you've been in Canada that you felt that that switch because when I came uh you've been here for what 15 years and and I'm not years. here but in in, in Canada okay, so years. I moved to the US in 1999 with an ingrained culture of Brazil this is how we do things so <laughs> I I do like that was the the you and that was the peak of that yeah and not just me but like everyone Everybody. that came from Rio just like oh this is how things are done and with time and learning more about the cultural difference too you know uh things start changing a little bit like man no no no, no. we you know that's one of the things in north america too business you know what i mean the yeah. business structure it's something that in brazil it's like it's funny how brazil uh jiu-jitsu you know, came from there, but now we're kind of going back and taking whatever is developed in North America, taking back to Brazil, like, yo, all this, all the stuff that you guys did, look at the business, you know, models that you can, you can utilize. So when do you feel there was a time that you started to change the way that you teach, especially welcoming new people? Well, uh, as soon as I got here, like uh, my my only advantage is because in Brazil I had to I went to the university, physical education university, right? So then I had to work with systems. I I taught like spinning classes, like those group classes, those dynamics. So then when I moved, and uh, I I was already teaching at the the Christy Shijuka Academy. And, and I have some sort of experience teaching, but as that way, you know, like people come like for the first class, we already had a, a basic set technique that we teach at the Grace Academy back then, like in, in Rio, at least, uh, at least at Gracie Chijuca, I was, I was taught to teach this, this first position to them, but not give too much uh, like information. It's just like, Hey, here's your jitsu. Like uh, this is the mount. You know, like you get out of the mount, you're in the guards. So your goal is get out of the mount and 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 get out of the guard and get in the mount, which I basically still have the score as as my intro class. But there was no gi for trial. There was no that was a this and and that was like a, somehow that was the first class I had. And then I don't know some of other friends of mine didn't have the same class. So then when they they were like exposed to a first day student sometimes the guy would just jump in the class i i was because my nature of physical education i knew the necessity of of taking care of who was coming for the first time but i had no business idea it was just like just because it was like that with me so when i got here in toronto like the gym was a somehow structured right and uh, but they have trials and i uh, remember to be like a two-day trials back in the day in 2008 when i got here man every day there was people in the door the location was very good and then and then the mma it was an mma academy and today's just jiu-jitsu but back in 2008 
the Rotary Hijabes, the academy, was uh, MMA academy. We had boxing, had a cage. And uh, honestly, people would have jumped in and I would have tried my best of my abilities to show them the mounts, the escape of the mounts. And somehow, some people would have go just like, oh, yeah, I have some experience and just jump in. There was no booking appointment. There was no nothing. But somehow the classes started to get so packed in a way that I had to like, hey, I need help. So then I brought one guy from Brazil and I got two of my best students, the blue belts, and I taught them just to do the intro class. That's when we start here. So like when I brought this guy from Brazil, my, my friend, he today is in Abu Dhabi. So we, we, we split the classes. So I say like, let's gonna make like a white belt classes, just the white belts. Because I was starting to like not being able to fulfill any of, of the groups or either I'm like uh, just giving like a very basic technique or, and that was in 2011 to 12. That moment, like uh, we, we, we realized like, man, we have to change. It can't be just, and then I was really like a competition only oriented, like tough training. Like I came from like uh, being student of Salih Bill for a long time of my life. Tough training, tough training, compete next week. Let's go, let's go, let's go, which is good. But a lot of people do not adapt to that. So a lot of people are not in the gym for that. And then at that point, I started to feel that there was a difference coming up. And then to be honest, like by 2013, we started to really get a good approach of like, okay, let's structure more of the classes. Start to to work with the white belts, uh, a 20 class kind of cycles. But then I realized that 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 was not enough because when the cycle's over, it repeats again. But this guy needs a little more too, and uh, and then like and then I create like a system and a program. So that's what I do too nowadays. Of course, it gets better every time I do it. So I kind of like I, right now on July first, all my instructors will receive the class plan from July first to December thirtieth, and then we have different type of classes there is a class for drilling there's a class for training there's a class for competition there's a class for partial training and then and then i teach my instructors how to approach that in each class so then people can build schedules around what they need so i feel like uh, by 2013 was the point that i started to actually move on in 2011 i felt like okay we need something but then I have to go after information and like uh, Josh, which is the my partner here, Jutes for Life, co-founder, he went to course even with Lloyd Irving, which is like, by the way, he has an old book that he gives to people for free. That is amazing, actually. You know, I, I was re-reading now to open this gym and that's so much good information about how to open a gym and how to Do you remember the name now? Is that uh, his MMA, book or someone MMA, else? MMA Millionaires. That's his book. It's oh, here, that's so. his book. It's really close here because I was rereading some of these days. Maybe it's in my, my bookshelf at home, but it's like MMA millionaires. It's 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 great. It's actually great because now I'm like, whoa. And he was so ahead in the game back then. Mm -hmm. You know? Because he was he the only had, one talking about the topic. He was like, well, I remember him putting those suits and making those advertising and then man. And he has a very solid and real gym, you know, like his his yeah. guys are like actually champions world champions you know kina came from him a lot of guys jt torres like uh, back then was like uh like that was good vision you know and he went to brazil 
spent time there. So he 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 knew like the, the necessity was not being filled. Yeah, like about that time I started to feel the change because like uh, yeah, as you said, like we were just survivors, you know. It was just like uh, we were really uh, the ones who actually fell in love jujitsu who stayed because there was no structure. It was like uh, one day your instructor will feel like teaching something to you would have come and teach and that's it maybe one or two instructors have like a little bit more a planning program but my my, my advantage that i was telling you is that because of physical physical education course i was already used to work with systems like uh we we don't go like we have to to actually follow curriculums we so I, I was from the generation that we had to do the four-year course, make hours of uh, uh, education, uh, teaching, like uh, teach like kids in school, like uh, present curriculums and etc. That was really good for me because it was the base, the the base knowledge I create my system for jiu-jitsu, you know. Which, and, which well, I'm sorry to interrupt. Which has nothing to do with the technical level. Which a lot of people confuse that. It's like, oh, George, I want your curriculum. And the guys are like looking for my technique. And mm -hmm. then I say, man, I maybe have a good technique that's good that you like it, but like uh, there are some things that have to be standard to everyone. It's like, for example, like my stack pass is different than your stack pass. There's no better or, or, or wrong, you know what I mean? Because especially when we go down to like a white belt, how many times a guy need to actually learn the stack pass? several and when he gonna say that oh i already know the stack pass and then here comes like a professor from japan and show a totally different approach and 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 and, and how many times we got caught on that We're like oh yeah i see this technique several times but today i saw gustavo showing and like i never noticed this detail mm -hmm. so but the technique needs to be there for the person to be exposed for the information right and say like okay i i know what stack pass is like I will go across and throw the arms or protect myself with triangle. So the other guy going to show how to lift the hip, the other one where he put the hand, how he make the grip, how he move no gear. So this give also the instructor the ability to shine his own, his own ways to do jujitsu. It's like and what a lot of people don't understand and confuse when you go like, oh, we have a system. This is how we do. It's like everybody needs to teach like you. No, that's that's not at all. It's like, uh, but the positions need to be placed in a way where people go through the information and the knowledge, right? So to be absolutely to, to be able to develop. And one of the things I think it's, I think it's very important for people who are listening. Maybe you starting to teach because uh, one of the difficulties that a lot of people who start in a program have it's uh, you gotta. And I did the same thing you did. I think that's the best way to do it. Split the class. You guys are going to work on this until you have the possibility and the staff and the room, the time slot to split classes. Um, I had, you know, I started doing that, you know, many, many, many years ago too, but get to a point of like, okay, we'll have a fundamentals class. Not everyone will have like, again, the time slot or the, the staff to be able to do it. And but that is a great way to start, you know, to at least yeah, yeah. split the class and then but always with that goal in mind, like when at some point we're going to have to to split the class um, and my academy, I'm I'm fortunate now that uh, that I have two rooms for the past. I don't know how many years, but I had two rooms. We make things a lot uh, 
easier, you know, to have, okay, sometimes there is a fundamentals class happening and the other room is happening the advanced class or sometimes it's fundamental and then the intermediate class. So yeah. we try to get the intermediate. That's where we get them to do more specifics, adding more resistance to it, preparing them for the advanced. The, uh, the fundamentals class, it's a lot of technique foundation, same thing, like a six month curriculum that we always reevaluate, you know, it's never like, this is yeah. forever. This is like, no, like tweak it, get the feedback from the structures. Is that enough time for them to practice? Do you need to cut a technique or add something? So we just started a new cycle right now on our program, starting the intermediate and the fundamental at the same time. So we kind of reevaluate the same thing. And then if someone that is doing well on the fundamental be like, Hey, let's jump on this, the, the intermediate class here. And then, so start like, um, that's amazing yeah each one we kind of read the room and be like uh, i already know yeah, this person has done this you know what i mean yes, yes, so yes. and sometimes it's not necessarily the amount of stripes they have because this can vary but it's yeah. some people just come more some people pick up easier but anyway uh splitting like that uh, is definitely better for them so they don't get yeah. overwhelmed and have a better experience too than then just jump in and a advanced class like you said that is way too overwhelmed overwhelming and uh they're not gonna enjoy as much so how you because as you mentioned um you come from the competition background uh the same thing i did i'm not like i used to with competition especially with that mode like ah, competition all you know 100 percent. of course people compete um, we always going to have competitors, uh, at least in, in my school, but it wasn't like, like how I used to be completely obsessed with like, uh, just 100% everything competition. So how do you introduce competition to them or motivate them or inspire them to compete? How is the, the conversation? Sometimes people approach you, Hey, I want to know more about it. Or sometimes like, Hey, have you thought about competing? You know, like, how do you, how do you approach about suggesting competition i i kind of build a schedule right in a year and then there's some competitions that are kind of like handpicked that we will be there our coaches we, we try to express this to guys look this competition and i think every school should do this okay mm -hmm. in the association it's like every school have the freedom to you know but there are some major competitions that we say like okay this one here we go heavy everybody go let's gonna try to win this build that unit you know that only a competition can create. But I try to expose people to compete as soon as possible. I will tell you why. I think, uh, I believe Jiu-Jitsu, it is the ultimate self-development tool, right? But I believe there's a, 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 a start. You start training Jiu-Jitsu, and then I think that the curve goes up. You keep going this line of going up like uh, some people in my very right some people three months of learning a lot changing their body some people six months it goes but at some point stagnate and i'll tell you why because when they join into the gym it doesn't matter how friendly the gym is it doesn't matter how good is your program it doesn't matter they're coming in a new thing and they're totally out of the comfortable zone so when you're out of the comfortable zone so what we do, which is well, we all try to create that support system in the uncomfortable, the person progressed. It's natural, progress. But then Jiu-Jitsu is so good, it's so good 
that really fast will build you the 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 knowledge and the idea and to be comfortable and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's what we teach them. So then the gym that before was a place where they feel butterflies, where they feel like nervous, that now, oh my God, my rolling, my rolling, this guy, they start to learn and they build their game and then now they're in a comfortable zone. And that's when we see the plateau. We usually happens where? In a blue belt. The blue belt's like that. So, so like, as soon as I start, they start, I try to like, hey, let's compete. Because it's always going to put you out of your comfortable zone. The moment you sign up, you're already out. You're like, man, like, I feel mm-hmm. this today. If I sign up now for World uh-huh. Mass, I'm like, oh my God, it's on. That's I'm on a clock, so, yeah. You know what I mean? It changed the way you eat. It changed the way you think. It changed the way you see yourself. So it's a constantly improvement because right now, like with the guidance of the instructor, there's a way of like, look, we have a competition in the schedule. Let's go. Who is in, who is ready? Who, who like, am I, am I ready, professor? Yes, you were ready. Of course. There's a guy three weeks in the gym. No, I'm sorry. Like you're not ready yet. So we, we, I, I teach my instructor, especially the ones teaching the white belts too. Say, before you register, talk to me. If you're white belt, if you're like, if you're blue belt, if you're purple belt, if you're brown belt, you're ready. You know, like you already have enough knowledge of yourself if you're putting on the work or not. And that also holds them accountable because now they're like, man, I'm going to perform. I need to train for real whether it's two times. So I try to make the competition something that people don't get too much focused only on the getting the results because we all want to win and I want them to win and we train to win. There's no like such, ah, oh, let's go there. Like, no, every tournament I want to go, I want like the team to win. I want the guys, it's impossible. But what, because it's out of our control. Do you agree with that? So I can't control that the day I'm going on a match, this guy's going to be in his best self even if i'm in my very best day like this guy's is his day he's gonna win so we can't control that because it's like uh we call this uh uh, a opposite power sport you're fighting against someone it's not a sport there's like group or they there's so much variables it's like you can't you can't control the other person but you can control yourself and you can control the things you can do in the process to be there and try to have your best performance. So then like if you don't win, you can also sit down, reevaluate what you have done in the journey. And then that create mini journeys in within the journey. So I believe the guy who competes become a much better black belt. And that's what I try to pass to them because he has more self-awareness. He has more self-knowledge. So when you have more self-knowledge, you know yourself better. So like what, what happened? Man, I'm not very good in the guard. So I'm going on top. I've developed my top game. I'm not saying don't develop, but a lot of times you, you, you we hear this in, in business as well. And that's why I say like it relates jujitsu to life. It's like, why am I going to spend so much more time of my work in something that I'm not naturally good and don't go all in in something that I'm great? A lot of people lose their time of their life because like some people tell, man, your guards suck. You should be better guard. And the guy is like amazing guard passer. And they keep like doing guard, 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 guard. And they never get good because naturally that's not their thing. Their body type, their, 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 like some, some things are natural in, in the game, right? And it's the same thing. It's like the guy is a, is a natural saddler. But some people tell him hey, he needs to be like working a Bitcoin. 
the guy can't be at home and, and the, the computer. He needs to be out there selling things to people. And those are the things I want people to start to see. Like uh, know who you are, know your strengths and work hard on your strengths because naturally you're going to be able to allocate time to work in a weakness and also more important to protect your weakness. It's not because something is a weakness that you have to be exposing all the time. You can't learn how to protect yourself. That's self-defense. So I, I really like to take this philosophical part and utilize the, the, the competition as a tool to people uh, be able to be under that stress and have these thoughts. Because like once I fill them up with those thoughts during the whole entire classes, and I try to pass this to my instructor as well, and I'm pretty sure most of them will have their message, will have their experience. So we start like to also become like a, a, a give like a be, become more impactful in people's life. Not us, but jujitsu. You know, like we give like more meaningful meaning because like why like a guy 35 years old, two kids, or 35 years old, two kids, or two jobs, like come to train twice a week will be willing to compete. You understand? Mm-hmm. Other than challenging himself, be in a stressful situation, and learn more about who he actually is. Because those uh, feelings, we cannot run away from it. The feeling of fear, the feeling of insecurity, or sometimes of, of, of overconfidence, we cannot run from it. So we have to, we force ourselves to manage the emotions. Because in order to compete well, we need to be emotional controlled. Otherwise, you won't have a good outcome. You won't have a good performance. And then after, you will feel bad or you're going to feel uh, without courage and things like that. So we have to rebuke ourselves back. And that comes from practicing the, the, the emotional control. So then jiu-jitsu become useful. Because when you face a real life situation, not that jiu-jitsu is not real, but at the end of the day, nobody cares if you win or lose like a jiu-jitsu competition. Am I correct? It's like, mm-hmm. imagine if I have to base like all my jiu-jitsu success in my jiu-jitsu accomplishments. I'm, I'm pretty mid, midway. I never like, oh my God, George, five times of the world chain. No, I'm not, that's not the case. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but you know, but jiu-jitsu was so good for me in a way to build my profession. But people can use jiu-jitsu for building themselves in, 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 the, in the environment of the world where, where it requires you a lot of emotional control. Yeah, we definitely are aligned with those those thoughts. Actually, at the end, uh, send me your address later. I'm going to send you a copy of my book that it goes along with all that stuff that we're talking about. I For people don't know, and you can go to the BJJMentalCoach.com. You can actually, I think I have like the ebook version. I have the book on Amazon, the ebook version um, on a site, whatever, like 99 cents or whatever. The point is, it's... I did dedicate it to the master's competitors, but honestly, any adult competitor can read it and take advantage of this. Maybe like four specific pages focused on master's, but it's more launching your BJJ competition journey, 10 steps to maximize your tournament experience. From the moment that the person said like, hey, coach, I'm, I'm interested in competing. What should I do? And then it's 10 steps from the moment you walk off the mat. So it's been because I always had that in mind and people to ask me and I just decided to just give them the book like hey, it's right here. So the, the book saves me some work that I don't have to keep <laughs> explaining the process. Amazing. So I just like and it's like an hour read, you know, it's very I mean, quick. 
Gustavo, like honestly, uh, I always talk about you to people because like you, you was one of the pioneers to open the lights of the mental work in jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. There was not much people. Everything was so less scientifically and so much more, uh, you know, some structures have the, their, their alpha, uh, uh, you know, personality. It comes from our culture in Brazil. It comes but, from our Pokeji tough guy, you know, like, but, well, but, what, you but, got a problem, you know, yeah. what do you mean you got to work with your mind? What do you mean, you yeah, know? Yeah, but, but, but you were like the pioneer, like, with that work. And, and, and I remember when, when you start putting content out, I, I guess, what, 2010, something like that? Yeah, the, the, some 2010, I started studying, and then probably yeah. around 12, I started releasing more. So, yeah. That was amazing. It was like, man, like, this guy needs to put more of things out like that because it was a, a very good guidance to a lot of people. So, I'll, I, I want to read that book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. It's, um, I talk a lot about using the same thing you're saying, using jujitsu. And for people who are listening, to the podcast, listen all the the interview, the hardcore listeners. You learn have heard of my my spiel before talking about jujitsu being a personal social development tool, and and I always say in your and you agree, you don't have to compete to get the benefits of jujitsu. It's a fact, right? However, if you want to amplify the power of this tool, competition is an incredible way to do so because of the mental and emotional factor of yeah. you being under pressure that changes everything when you put a scoreboard in a raft you know like everything changes, changes. you know the expect the expectation and everything so uh, this is one of my 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 biggest ways to try to influence people is to use that more as as a, a mental emotional challenge because uh this I, sometimes I ask this to people. I'm gonna ask you this, but it it doesn't even it doesn't even work that for you because you've been living and involved in competition for so long. But imagine like if you have never competed before in, in your life, you absolutely be a very confident person. You know what I mean? You're being better. Shape. All those benefits, but the emotional growth. Forget about it, dude. Yeah, like yeah, forget about nothing. it. Yeah. There's it's no way. Nothing. There's nothing no way. Compares. And one of the things that people need to realize, too, is that the tournament day is kind of like the celebration of your preparation or your work. The yeah, growth yeah. is being done during the the preparation. And, of course, the experience the day of, of awesome, you know, for sure. Yeah. But I had a conversation with the last year. I actually made even a post about because it sucks. At some point, maybe it happened to you or anyone that is listening. You sign up for a tournament. You're all excited. No one showed up in your division and they're not competing. Or maybe someone didn't show up. And then people saying, like, man, I waste my time. I'm like, are you sure you waste your time? Look at your previous, like, whatever, six weeks. Look how tighter your diet got. Like, your mental focus, your training, like, everything. Look at the growth you had that if you didn't sign up for the tournament, you're the not. growth would not be as exponential. It would still be improved, yeah, yeah. improvement, but it's different. So it sucks. It sucks. You don't want to just be like, yeah, yeah, I won my medal. I get it. But don't take as that was a waste of time no. because it's absolutely not the case. I agree. I agree. I agree. And uh, I go far. Sometimes some guys go and they have one match and they come all sad for me. Yeah, I just had one match. I'm like, you had a match. Yeah. You had a match, dude. She like, uh, you, you, 
you don't get it. The point is that is the journey is the journey, not the destination, right? We always say that, we repeat that all the time. It's so hard to put in practice a lot of times yeah. in our life. So it's good that Jiu-Jitsu will point out this this element, you know, of like the try to value like what you have done, you know, and then and then you got used to that. You get used to it. You get used to it. Like and then understand also so many lessons in just that point, you know, that you just brought up here. It's like you you can just point it out that sometimes the outcome's not the way you want. Yeah. You, could, you, you don't have the match. That's something that you were not expecting. You were expecting to go there, have a match and win. But then you have no match. Mm-hmm. And I understand, like, uh, you know, come the financial ideas, like people pay for the registration and then they start to feel entitled to get something. Mm-hmm. And, and it's getting better now that people can get refunds before, but like back then it was even worse. Like it was totally surprised. You didn't know what to expect on the day of the competition. We, you sign up and then you just show up just a uh, CBJJ, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, would like put like the, the the wall remember brackets and wall the brackets and wall and that's it so now they they know who they're gonna compete against how hmm. many matches they can possibly have it's it's different different generation but definitely that adds value let's talk about your organization next gen right events yeah 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 and then you can roll into other events that you've been involved too. So how is that process going? How long how long you've been promoting those tournaments? In Canada, the first IBGF I promote, the first event I promote in Canada was in 2008, actually. Like as soon as I got here, I, I made one event called Copa Terra. We don't have it anymore. It got like very political here. We try a couple times and then you know how it is. You come to a new community. So events were on the same day and all these things. So I, I built another one, tried to change the name, but it didn't work very well. So then I I, I, I reached out to IBGJF and then we were able to to, to support IBGJF in the country that was 2012. They had the one in Montreal, which was 2011. I brought my team there full support. But I was not involved in the organization, but then we, we offer like the whole structure that we had here, mats and everything. So then like since 2012, we, we started working with the IBGF. So then later on, and uh, and then at that point, I was just helping run the IBGF. I had stopped my event and I was only doing this uh, annual event from my association, which back then was just a team, but we had a, a a big size so we were able to run actual events just with our students so then in 2016 i created the next gen so the next gen purpose was to 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 give like a beginners a good platform to start and to build the community around the term you know and my goal is to network go across canada running events to be able to offer all after offer the the structure to the IGJF and other federations, which in the case we didn't have it. So then at that point I made an event in Vancouver in 2016 and 17. So I went to Calgary, went to Winnipeg, and then we saw we start to network to get to know people and I'm always offering the federations as I still do it like well right now August 19 I'm running uh on an ADCC uh Canada Open 
in Vancouver. So in August here, also uh, the August 12th in Toronto, we have the AJP, which is uh, the Abu Dhabi Jiu-Jitsu Pro in Toronto. And there's an X-Gen on, Ju on, on July 15th. And then in September, yeah. yeah, September, we have a IBGJF in, in Toronto. In and you're involved and, with the, the, still the IBGJF? Still, still being a partner here in Ontario, we, I'm like always offering uh, there are some places that I feel like uh, they have the capability now to host an IBGJF event. So let's see if they they will come to and accept those those those. Because I, I understand the structure of IBGJF is complex. It's not as simple as everyone sees around. Like you're involved in competition, you know what's up. But people who don't have an idea of how much work is involved to have an hmm. event such a standard, it's just like a, this is like a real federation that has involved ranking that that affects placement of of yourself in competition. So everything needs to be done by the book. So it's not as easy. It's not every place that has the structure. So even though Canada is so close to the states, we still not yet uh, as developed. As Brazil and United States, I feel like the two meccas of Brazil today is Brazil, United States. They have more practitioners, they have more events. So Abu Dhabi comes right after the, the the Abu Dhabi because they have so much money and now they have so much good people there working. Mm -hmm. They can do a lot of events. They can do events in, in, in good standard. So I recently came from Regina. We ran our AJP there. It was a great experience. But I can see that it quite like we, we still need to have like more numbers. We still need to have like, a, but it's good to go out there and give people the taste. So I feel like that's one of my, my missions, you know, it's like almost like a spreading the gospel of Jiu-Jitsu, you know, through competition. And, and I'm excited. I'm excited because I can see the future of Jiu-Jitsu and the competition uh, in front of me. It's something that I've been doing since I'm like a little kid. It's really rewarding, you know, to be able to to bring and, and help and contribute to the growth of the the martial art I love in the country. I mean, like, it's got me. It's got me. Yeah, and the interesting thing is too that since you work with different organizations, different rule sets, and all that stuff, uh, it's super interesting. And we're talking before we start recording about. A lot of people don't, most people are not familiar with how the scene was. Because sometimes in in our minds, as far as me, you or anyone who lived that, it's very clear that image of like how, how unorganized things were. And then it's like, who wants to ref? Are you asking refs to be a favor? Someone just ref on the gi pants. You know what I mean? I'll oh, come here, jump in. I'm going to compete. Like, um, it came a long way, a long way from all those tournaments. So when people think about it, um, having the very first national Brazilian national was 1994. It's it's not that long ago when I talk about history, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. for a sport. Imagine judo. How long has been around judo doing tournaments and, you know, so 94, that's when it started. And um, I know that many people have their opinions about IBJJF, I'm a I'm a great fan. Do I agree with every decision? No. And each company will have their own um, procedures, rules, and regulations or whatnot. 
but I appreciate that every year since I I started attending the events since 1994, I see every year they try to do something better. And I value that a lot. And there's other events that sometimes like years go by and they still kind of doing the same thing. Um, but now uh, it's a different time. You have softwares, you have all that kind of stuff that makes, you know, for, for people who don't know, uh, one of the most complicated things is to do brackets on your hand by hand when you have like a lot of competitors, uh, many nights that you didn't sleep, I'm pretty sure, you know what I mean, of like making brackets. I live that too. And as a matter of fact, I was one of like the first organization in the U.S., as far as I know, could be wrong, that started using uh, software um, before IBJJF was Claudio France with um in Santa Cruz, he was awesome. doing, uh, so now is the BJJ Tour, but before was, a, what is the name of US Open that they used to call? That was the biggest tournament in the US, like early 2000, mid 2000, that was the biggest one. And so I always pay attention to his work that he's doing on Claudio, he always did a great job. And then suddenly I saw like online registrations, but that was back when people were like, oh, I don't know about putting my credit card on, on the computer. No, I'm not going to do that. So I had to go through the growing pains of people like, no, I'm not putting my credit card. And I was like, okay, so you don't compete. So I have to go from like, first like cash and PayPal, and then, then just PayPal and then turn. And then people realize like, wow, if I don't register like that, I won't be able to compete. So that educational process then now you just go in put information through and then some are easier to um like i said you know to get refunds some organizations do some they don't whatever but now it's a lot more practical and as you mentioned there's so much involved to to provide a a good event so what do you see like the future of jiu-jitsu. And we'll talk about future, the pan in like five, 10, 20. I know that you're, you believe in, and we all hope that one day we can truly have professional athletes. But if you look in even other sports, um, you're going to have like the exceptions or even surfing. We have guys in the CT that are the championship tour that they don't have any sponsor. They're scraping by and they're struggling. You know what I mean? Not everyone's like, oh, wow, every surfer does incredible. And they have like, you know, they struggle too. And of course, you're going to have the the top of the top to actually make good money. So how you see the evolution of competition from what you saw in the 90s to, to now? Yeah, I like we, we came a long way so far. One of the things that made me be great to to MMA, of course, all together with the passion and the the, the desire to fight, was also also the, the idea of like get at least paid for something of my effort, because I always felt so unfair, put so much effort, and and sometimes like I even the division, like man, sometimes like uh, I spent years of my prime black belt being in the division of Marcel Garcia and and Andre Galvão. Mm-hmm. back then was painful but today I look back and I laugh because I'm like of course these guys are legends and <laughs> I was being one of the opponents there like so I would be the legend but that was not the case but 
it's big order, but like it was a big effort to get ready to compete against those guys. You know, it's like to put on like a lot of work and, and not to mention the other names that I've just mentioned two names, but everyone that is black belt adult understand like the, the, the how much work you put in to compete at that level, right? And then you go there sometimes you lose the soccer match, third match, and that's it. See you home. You don't even get a mention. Like back then, there was no social media. So now, with the the social media, I feel like it opens a lot to guys to 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 be able to capitalize on the moments they're involved, places they're competing. So every competition. That's why the competition needs to be nice. You know, that's why it needs to have a high investment and on the setup. You see how the whole ecosystem survived by everybody's support, right? Because then the professional, quote unquote, that athlete have a good platform to show it. You don't want to like show that you're competing in like a crappy event. So that gives you no credibility. But then now I feel we are while walking in the right direction and and uh, there will be more division in the way of like uh, here's the professionals here's the pro amateurs here's the amateurs we need to get to there because then we're gonna create also fair competition you understand there's people that go sometimes and register for competition and then like uh, there's just like an open in their city and they're having fun and they want to go whether it is an adcc open whether it is a ajp open whether it is a IBGF open and they just want to experience the tournament but they're 25 and they go there and they got one of the killers because that killer needs to be ranked and needs to be points and the guy's gonna just give him like a help if we take a look it's great the guy's gonna have the opportunity to compete against a legend if we put that perspective but not but like in the eyes of like the pure sport that's not fair like it's not even fair with the legend the 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 the, the, the to be legends competing it's like same thing that i start like surf and then tomorrow i'm like good and i put myself in a tournament and then i'm in the same like thing with like Kelly's later like no dude like you're not supposed to be there like you understand we will get to that point because then the sponsors will be different like I believe at some point we're gonna have like uh, the teams like I feel like you know Dream Art for example it's a it's a brother of the evolution they kind of hire the guys to compete under their flag so there will be salary there will be but it's still like a long way to get there but it's, yes. but but I feel is walking there, and I like to 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 put out there the AJP is doing a fantastic job in kind of setting up a platform of jiu-jitsu professional on that behalf, you know, because like let's say the IGF is still being like the major league, but is amateur jiu-jitsu, amateur jiu-jitsu, and we can say that the the, the black belt division is the pro am pro amateur division, right? you need to be ranked to be competing most of the the major events which already separate a lot of like who's supposed to be there or not but it's still being a pro amateur uh organization but the ajp which is still operate as a pro amateur division is setting up the standard and the, the platform for professional jiu-jitsu as the name call right and the adcc 
that I see the ACC is, is getting to really build the grappling, you know, because there's a lot of people that don't follow the protocols of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, which is the most prominent sport of grappling, the most structured one. And then uh, I think like the platform of ADCC will provide people who like uh, are more interested in doing grappling, which has somehow is a little bit more inclusive, right? I don't know how this is going to be walk around like in terms of like uh, divisions and uh, and skill levels. Something needs to be done. I see that for the event I went here. I feel like uh, the, 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 it's necessary to have like more skill level divisions to create a fair competition. But currently, uh, how many do they have? I'm, I'm uh, let out of the loop with that. Be, beginner to medium advanced. Okay. But I think uh, it has, like, on my point of view, my humble opinion, I provide this as a suggestion for the head uh, organizers. Like, we need to have, like, uh, the, the the beginner, which we need to have the the intermediate or or, or called amateur, or which I like it. Beginner, amateur, pro amateur, professional. Like that will expand more white, blue, purple, brown, black. Mm -hmm. You know, which like uh, is not jujitsu standard because it's grappling. But if we take a look, why the jiu-jitsu grading are so efficient? It's because of that. Because it gives time to people to develop their skills to achieve a level. It's hard to like from zero to black. So you see judo is just black competing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like at some point, we might going to have competitions that will be like, hey, that's yeah. pro level, just black. You know what I mean? Like, as you see the Abu Dhabi World Championships, they feel, ah, oh, but there was a guy that was a blue belt. Yeah, but in the grappling, he's a pro level. Mm -hmm. And how he achieved that by winning the tournaments, by getting ranking. So it, we'll get there because it will be necessary for the evolution. Like, it's natural. Like, every event, you're going to have the issues, people complaining, and then you're going to have to adjust, and then things will happen. And then I feel like the, the whole community is doing a great job. You know, I, I don't think there's one organization doing better than the others. I feel like IJF Jeff is leading, is the is the is the is the one that, that had the vision that they start up the whole idea and, and the whole, you know, heavy lift, I will say, you know. Mm -hmm. But but AJP uh, ADCC are, are, are just as good and has as as the good intentions. I work with them and man, I, what give to me is just like happiness because I feel like, wow, that's amazing. You know, we, 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 we have a great future. Like all the, the, the future generations will be, will be very fortunate to have those platforms to compete. What I feel is instructors, pastors that teach Brazilian Jiu Jitsu should be very, very careful and to protect the essence of the martial art and do not forget what brought us to here what actually made jiu-jitsu the greatest martial arts on the planet which is the philosophy 
and the mindset. And then if we become only sports, we become a judo. And nothing against judo. I think judo is amazing. But there's not as much people practicing judo because judo became a high-impact sport. And if we don't take care of jiu-jitsu that way, jiu-jitsu will become the same. There will be no space to... And then we're going to go back to the survivors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to protect that's the the essence like the the that's why like I, I feel like the amateur leagues are so necessary to give a space to amateurs have fun for sure and I feel like as you know man since I've been here for over 20 years now I actually have lived officially half of my life in Brazil half in US now uh, nice. 24 24 24 And I love what you said, you know, every organization is doing their their own jobs, not bad or worse, but it's just, if you're listening right now, you attend whatever, like, you connect, whatever organization you connect with, that yeah, this is yeah. better, like, it's better for you because you like this format, you like the freedom, I like to wear my red gi and I don't like that the other ones, okay, so go the yeah. one that lets you wear uh, the red gi. So, things you just need to... Um, figure out like whatever satisfy you because there's so many tournaments because that's one of those like um i used to think man and i thought about this in in 2000s in the mid like 2000s i would say like only the strong will survive as far as organizations a uh, grappling jiu-jitsu organizations uh -huh. but and then as i evolved i said like no uh many will survive not as many or not as many will thrive So only the yeah, one that will thrive, yeah. the one that will be like, wow, there, I mean, there are tournaments, um, they're, they're awesome, and there's tournaments that people got no business in promoting tournaments, and they're doing the tournaments, and, and people are consistently, like, upset and not happy with the, with the outcome. And I remember that when we talk about, in our first interview, um, the The same reason you start promoting Canada was the same one for me here in Arizona. I was like not happy with what you see locally. Like, dude, we can provide a better service than this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's see. You know, and that's and that's how it started. So people need to find whatever organization works for them. And here in Arizona, uh, we just I've we uh, we have a we recording this now in. Uh, June 2023, and I have the AZ State Championship on coming up on June 24th, and we're bringing back our pro division. We had uh, incredible competitors here before one year. The our our open class, the final was Leandro Loy and Augusto Tanquin, just to see like the wow. level of you know what I mean. Wow, yeah, so we had like That's some amazing. really incredible competitors come here. Um, Hop Samora, Cron Gracie, you have like you know incredible guys done uh, super fights so forth. So we took a break. Now we're coming back, and then we do an open class with for the black belt adult male and female. They have they both have the same breakdown financially. That is based on the number of competitors in the bracket. You know, more people. You know, uh, two to four, five to eight, over nine. And our local tournament, over nine people in a bracket in a black belt, that's very good, you know, of course. And so basically up to $6,000 in, in prizes. 
Whoa, that's awesome. So, yeah, so nice it's it's good. So we're just starting, you know, like again, see how got a nice belt to something different. Just see how the but it's a very small community, right? Adult black belt. I know there's a very, very small group, but I think it would be kind of like our main like event of the tournament. Yeah. They so they can see, see that and they have like something to look up to, you know. And I think that's always that. It's like we we always building the next generation because that's the legacy, you know. Like and then that continue like bringing people to compete in the Arizona State and they're gonna love it. Like I I I already listened to you. I'm like oh I like that idea. Yeah. It's just so... sad that Ontario doesn't allow us to give like money prizes here. Oh, it's, uh, huh. yeah, it's illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can give trips. So there's a huge tournament here uh, organized by Fernando Zulik. It's another great professor here. He has uh, he represents Cesar Costa here in Canada. The event has like 2,000 people. It's one of the biggest in Canada called Ontario Open. So, yeah, it's but he gives prizes as like the, the trips for world championships to become kind of like a traditional here mm-hmm. nice. in Canada. Everybody wants to gather trips for worlds. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't... it's it's much better than it used to be, right? <laughs> Tell me about it. But one thing, um, I, I still regarding to this, this point, the same thing as you and all my friends that migrated to MMA back in Brazil, you know, uh, especially like late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and I know that even though uh, people were not getting paid back then, a lot of people who live abroad have their visas because of the titles they they accomplish, you know, the, and what they built over the, you know, their careers. So I got my visa and eventually I got my citizenship because of what I accomplished from my BJJF. Because back then, that was the only thing yeah. to have to show my, to you show, know, so like, yeah. hey, you got to show your accomplishments, what you got. I'm like, well, this year, it, that's the biggest organization I have. And so now what do you do with that? You see, guys, because um, a lot of people in jiu-jitsu sometimes, when you are a pro competitor, you are an entrepreneur. You really, because you got to take care of your image. You're taking about, do you have... Do you have products? Do you have seminars and online products? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got so many routes you you can go. So even right now, we just finished uh, watching the the World Championship, and now we have uh, Vitor Hugo, the new Open Class Champion. Uh, if they see like, oh, he should make more money, like. Okay, I don't know how much it was. Maybe ten grand for the the winner. Maybe I maybe, think I maybe know. it was. I, I don't know. About that. Yeah. But even if he was, let's say, um, okay, oh no, he should be twenty. It should be thirty. It should be more. But like, what can he actually do with that? You know what I mean? Yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. that exposure, you know, if you look into a, a the Mitchell brothers, you know, like yeah. Aguilermi and Hafa, Half how man. much money did they make from IBJJF with purses? Not really. You know what I mean? But they learn how to use that in their favor. And that's each one's creativity. If you just get like in a narrow, you know, um, narrow mind of like, where's the purse? Where's the uh, the purses? Um, Maybe it's not. Of course, it's part of it. But you got to understand that it's not that there is a whole process around your image, sponsors and how you carry yourself. So there's so many things that get evolved in 
I remember that Valid Ismail was the first guy has done that. I used to conduct. Yeah. I was a blue belt and I look look up to him big time, dude. Like all his craziness and stuff. But yeah. I look up to him like, man, this dude knows how to sell. He's, you know he I mean? always have a lot of sponsors. Yeah. He was always closing the first big sponsorships. He yeah. couldn't see a camera. If you see a camera, he's like, boom, he's right there giving props to his sponsors. He always did a great job yeah, with that. Yeah. Great job. Good Got a lot of ideas from him when I was younger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's really cool to see. But, man, so uh, getting close to this um, this podcast, so what's uh, going on? What are you excited about right now? I know that you have a lot going on with the tournaments. What else? Like, man, right now, like, uh, I feel like I have so much in the plates about, like, the tournaments and the, the new academy, like, to which is a product based on, on develop my association. I'm, I'm super excited for the future, you know? I mean, I live every day with all my energy and, uh, but always thinking about our heads and how are we going to see things going on, you know, to see Jiu-Jitsu taking big spots on the media but overall like helping more people to live a better life you know whether they're instructors that now have their dream fulfilled by being a instructor jiu-jitsu one of the things i feel really sad and is one of my my goals is to never see a guy stop teaching jiu-jitsu or stop training jiu-jitsu because he had to get a real job mm -hmm. you know it's something that i I'm like, no, we got to create things. We got to find ways to keep it. Because when a person got it to that point and they love jiu-jitsu so much to teach, to train, and some talent is sometimes lost because of it. Of course, the person has a responsibility. But I see sometimes a lot of people that actually had the talent, had the passion, but they had to find a way. Like not every time yeah. everything is so romantic as we listen to the motivation speech, like, oh, you gotta do it, you gotta do it. Yeah, but sometimes you gotta pay the bills, brother. And yeah. it is what it is. And I feel like uh, more professional conduct with instructors, with teachers, with athletes will take us to different levels. For sure. Dude, thank you so much for this this interview, this update of what's going on in Canada. I'd love to one day be able to uh, witness one of the tournaments to go there and see how yes. things are done. For sure, I'd love to go there and, and see. We'll definitely talk more about it. And and that's it, y'all. If you have any questions, you guys can, can send me a message. Uh, and Instagram, if you want to just let people know if they want to find out more about you and your work. Uh, J-O-R-G-E-B-R-I-T-T-O-B-J-J. -J. That's my at on, on Instagram, on Facebook, and everything, like uh, Twitter. Yeah, if you guys want to connect with me, also at Jiu-Jitsu for Life Team. And then I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you can look uh, up to the socials of HCC Canada, AJP Canada. That's George. Want to connect you in Canada, in Toronto? Feel free to to, to come by Toronto BGJ or Tobacco BGJ. And yeah, man, I'm gonna be waiting for you. Now that you say that, I'm gonna to have to bring you here. <laughs> yes, sir, I will. So thank you so much, dude. Appreciate thank it, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate yes, it. All right. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. 
Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.